Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Monday, May 30th, happy Memorial Day, and welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult cancer survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 16-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer under 40? Well, it sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, a Memorial Day special, We Feel Pretty, Oh So Pretty, Matthew, and I know you got a new haircut for the show. I did a buzz for the first time. Yeah, love And I'm buzz. still married. <laughs> You're still married. She doesn't like me when I cut my hair so short. Oh, she doesn't. Didn't know that. All right. Well, we got all kinds of experts here tonight talking about how to look good and feel good. Mia Davis is the organizing director of the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics, and she's the co-leader of a work for Safe Markets. Rami Gaffrey, it's Rami Gaffney. You know, it's Rami Gaffney, and I just cleared that with him, and here I am saying Rami. Rami Gaffney, young adult survivor of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He's a celebrity makeup artist, and he's the creator of Rami Beauty Therapy Cosmetics, and he's the author of Rami Gaffney's Beauty Therapy, the ultimate guide to looking and feeling great while living with cancer, Matthew. What? <laughs> Did you announce Ben or I missed that? Looking In the Survivor Spotlight, wow. You know, it's a holiday. This is what happens when you've been out in the sun too long on a holiday weekend. I've told you, if you're going to come here, either be very drunk or not drunk at all. Because just drunk enough. I know. Never quite cut it. it. Yeah. Kicking it off in the Survivor Spotlight, Benjamin Rubenstein. He's a two-time adolescent cancer survivor. He's the author of Twice. That's right. He kicked it twice. And he's a blogger of CancerSlayerBlog.com. It's a very cool blog. All right. As a reminder, this broadcast, the Stupid Cancer Show, is a production of the I'm Too Young for this Cancer Foundation online at StupidCancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day, and we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs. Because it's not okay. 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, welcome back to another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. 
Wait, let me take another swig before I try this again. No, 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 no. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in a very sunny and warm downtown Manhattan. It is a nice day, isn't it? Beautiful day. It's a, a great hot. week. Beautiful a weekend. Yeah. yeah, a little muggy. Anyway, it's a good day for air conditioning. A lovely day and for our our little yeah. office here. Yeah. Anyway, the Stupid Cancer Show has a live interactive chat feed. During each broadcast, we invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, ask questions of our guests, and just have a great time. During this broadcast, I'd like to welcome our in-studio guest, Rachel Wolin. Please welcome Rachel to the show. Hello, Rachel. Hi there. How are you doing? Now, you came with Benjamin, but uh, what else brings you here? Well, Ben and I... Uh were part of a group that went to Israel um, for free, and uh, I met Ben through that group, and we decided to have a little reunion over Memorial Day weekend. Wait, so you're Jewish? I know, scandalous. You have to leave. <laughs> what was the Israel for free boondoggle? It's uh, Birthright Israel. It's a, a group that uh, gets young adults from uh, the age of 18 to 27 to or 26 to go to Israel for free and experience Israel as young adults and connect with their Jewish heritage, and it's a wonderful organization. Now, now James wow. Manning's here tonight, who's our broadcast production assistant, but James, you are outnumbered. He goes to Queens for free. You are the goyim. <laughs> you are the golden goyim tonight. Maybe Staten Island. I'm outnumbered. You are. You are not Jewish. That is true. That no. is very true. The golden, my mother, yeah. who would, my mother would tell you, yes. she is an Episcopal priest herself. I yes. am not. Wow, neat! Yet. I didn't know that. Well, Lisa's really a half I am a PK. So I'm a half Jew. You're a half C. That's an old half Jew. Jew. Right. Half Only Jew. you and I remember yeah. the share song, yeah. half breed. Half breed. Yeah. Exactly. I think I remember it. It's kind of hazy, though. Well, actually, I no longer feel old anymore. I celebrated my birthday. Because you are old. No, no. You are <laughs> very old. Because Matt. you and Rami are both older than me. So I am yep. not. But we don't look it. Right. Uh, are you saying that I look it, but I look old? Okay. Yes. Rami's, yes. Rami's coming back every week. Oh, you are invited every week. <laughs> Although, Lisa, you, you sort of forced me to um, to uh, play something. Um, I don't know what this is. So uh, here's something Lisa has sent me. I hope it's not disgusting or CeeLo yelling at me or something. But, Wait a uh, second. You might want to screen it. All right. What? This is Space Command to Zoom. All systems are go for your message to Matthew. Hey, Matthew, it's your birthday. I'm in charge of the stars. I like this. Isn't it great? I like attention. Hey, Matthew, <laughs> Isn't you're it cute? the big star today. I thought the kids would like this, too. My name is Zoom, and I live on the moon. But I came down to Earth just to sing you this tune. Cause Matthew, Matthew, it's your birthday, your birthday, just yesterday. You're like a barbershop quartet all rolled up in one. <laughs> okay, you gotta explain. You, I wanted to find I like this. an outer space creature. This beats my kind. birthday party. One of a kind. How long is this? I'm getting hives. Okay, you know what? What the hell is this? I get the gist. Come on, is that cute? 
I have no idea what the hell it is. I found it on YouTube. Oh. But I thought it was that perfect. That explains it. I thought it was yeah. perfect. It's got a really cute cartoon that goes along no, with I it. No, I like it. I like, it was For the first little... 60 seconds, maybe. It was a little creepy. Like, it looked like yeah. a great space coaster meets, like, drunk drug addicts. Well, well that's Sesame what I was going to say. As I was going to say, speaking of drinking, I thought, you know, yes. if you took some wacky mushrooms or something, you'd probably <laughs> Only particularly then. enjoy it. You know, Only it's funny because my kids, my kids are, um, they watch the Sesame Street episodes now, and they have throwbacks in during the year. They're like mashup, the mashups. They throw back the Burt and Ernie skits from the 60s and 70s. Some of those skits, you know, I watched them when I was little, but they're kind of creepy. They are. <laughs> right? They are really odd what were you on kind Absolutely. of screenwriter scare yeah anyway. but i guess when you're a kid you don't see those no, no 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 like you're literally watching hash turn into a cartoon <laughs> on pbs well i think that's what a lot of adult writers had to do like the warner brothers cartoons bugs bunny and all that those right. guys were i mean they were geniuses but, but they, they were high they all were, the time oh they yeah. were whacked out of their skulls yeah. to be sure <laughs> coming up with that stuff yeah well i, well, I have news i have big news news um, yes yeah um i Went to Las Vegas last week. Uh oh. Yes, I know. I know. He's still wearing his shirt. I, I am. The shirt my on shirt the back. is still on my back. Yes. Check um, his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have a shirt in my pocket. I don't know what the kids talking about. James is drunk too. Yeah. Okay. No, check his wallet. So I went to. Uh, our, is, no one's talking to you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pipe down, shorty. <laughs> You're the new Bubba Booey around here. You know that. <laughs> All right, so I went to Vegas. I went to the Palms Hotel Casino, and I met with the events director. I got a full tour of the entire facility with Dr. Sender, our chairman, board chairman, Dr. Leonard Sender. Uh, we saw the conference center. We saw the breakout rooms. We saw all the, the clubs and the nightclubs and the, sky night, the skylights and the amphitheaters and the concert theater, and they have a movie theater and an IMAX theater. It's amazing. Did you and Lenny go see is. the showgirls, too? Yes. Come on. Lenny was a showgirl, and I watched him on stage. <laughs> That's probably what you guys do know. That's what I have. Did knowing the yes. two of you, yeah. Yes, exactly. All so, right. um, needless to say, this hotel will be the most incredible venue for OMG 2012. Fantastic. It will fit easily six to 800 people if we can achieve that number. Easily, six to 800 people. They have um, uh, the Playboy Club, which seats about 200 people. And we were thinking of hosting a, a workshop in there on body image. Appropriately enough. They have an outdoor pool that can be shaped into a sort of a coliseum-type stadium seating area. Right. We were thinking of hosting a know-your-skin melanoma skin cancer breakout. You're working the all pool. the angles here. I love it. And they have umbrellas and they have tarps, so it won't be entirely in the sun if there are people that don't want to do that. And they have this little comedy club it's a little comedy club. It's, it's roped up by this really thick um, curtain that pulls back. And we're thinking of doing another writer's workshop in there. Oh, nice. So, like, really unique uh, rooms and spaces that we can have really compelling programs in. And then the conference room has these breakout sessions. So on the second day, we're thinking we could have, like, ten micro-breakout sessions that repeat, like, four times. So everyone gets something else a little bit that the other person wouldn't want to get. And then everybody goes to the casino and loses their money, and it's like, this is what it feels like after you pay all your bills for treatment. No, You're but the, broke. But the best part the best part of it is that okay. we don't have to pay for catering services anymore. Like what cost so much money this year yeah. was food. Yeah. Food for 400 people over two days was $50,000. Wow. Okay? This is New York City. All right. Food 
And it wasn't like we had, you know... Yeah. No, we had, like, crap. <laughs> well, it wasn't going to go quite to the crap. <laughs> right, straight but, to crap. But, but food food in Vegas is... dirt cheap. $5. I know, you can eat for, like, days. Or you can eat buffet yeah. for breakfast. Right. I know. And the best part about I love that, that is the complaints we got from the crazy complainers was that no one wants to eat deep-fried Oreos at a cancer conference. Not that we had them, but if we could, we would have. However, even though there was a vegetarian option, regardless of how you eat and what you stuff in your pie hole every day, that option is available at the at the buffet at the Palms. Okay, but but being the organization that we are, we do encourage people to eat in a healthy, right balance. But I'm saying if you way. go to the, if you go to OMG at the Palms next year and your breakfast is comp for five dollars and you want to eat nine pancakes and waffles, that's fine. If you want to eat the the hummus laden kale dipped kale is amazing granola I can crusted. make great kale no I, i'm I'm extrapolating here the the granola encrusted kale corn uh wheat egg berry, white frittata wheatberry grassroot beverage it's my favorite yes, you can have that I eat that every day you can have Excellent. that and stuff your pie hole with All anything right. healthy, same for lunch and dinner. then I'll be there yes, okay, yes, so I'm excited that we will meet the needs of the attendees, uh, as far as nutrition goes, when that what they're going to stuff in their pie holes. Okay, that's a lovely thing. It's eight thirteen. We have a lot of news, but we should probably get um, no, Benjamin but, up here. Am I? Well, I'm almost done. Hey, <laughs> our guests are here. They can wait for me. Oh, I'm that important. Oh. All right, I'll wrap this up real quick. Yeah. Um. So it looks like we're going to have OMG twenty five at the Palms. We have the weekend secure that we want. We can't announce the save the date until. We have everything confirmed, but a save-the-date announcement will go out by July 1st. Everyone will have eight months to plan and save accordingly, and that is going to be awesome. And the last thing is that Seth Rogen movie yeah. that I've been talking about for two and a half years. Um the trailer's out. Yeah, the trailer is out. It's coming this fall. It's coming this fall. It's called 50-50. I think it looks funny. It looks very interesting. I think yeah. I'm trying to make it funny. Yeah. I don't know how tearjerker it is, but I'm trying to get a screen, an advanced screening copy. There's a. It'll be. It'll. It certainly has some tearjerker elements. Right. Of course. How I'm could it not? I'm trying to get an advanced I love screening. Joseph, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, though. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I know he wasn't originally cast in that. Um, what's his name? The actor. The uh, his name is escaping me now. Dropped out. Bill Michael Thomas. <laughs> yes, it was only offered to three named actors. <laughs> Jean-Paul Coutreau. John Wayne Gacy turned yeah. down the role. Yeah. Um, All right. So, anyway, that's Vegas. That's good stuff. 2012. You were in L.A. Big also. Deal. I was in L.A. I went, the, uh, went to a celebrity poker tournament. It was really cool. I got to meet Shannon Elizabeth of American Pie fame. Oh, yeah. Yes. She's very attractive. She's attractive. Very attractive. Yeah. Very tall. She is tall. Very tall. All yes, right. Exactly. Anyway. That was it. Oh, and I met Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed from Rocky. <laughs> this is the extent of my B-list celebrity you know, engorgement. You did that very well. Yes. You B-listed yourself. I'm a B-lister. All over town. I'm a, a B-lister star fucker. <laughs> okay, there's no FCC. What? There you go. I should queue up the Family Guy freaking FCC song. No, because we have guests now. We have okay. to move along. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, here we go. Benjamin Rubenstein. Yes. Hails from Northern Virginia, where the only thing worse than traffic is the lack of good falafel. I'm, I'm never moving there. All right. He likes exercising, following sports, bringing guests to the radio show, taking pocketfuls of candy from the office stash. He was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. 
at the age of 16 and then myodysplasia when he was 19 while attending the University of Virginia. He had an intense fear of being seen as a sick kid, so he developed a defense mechanism on how others perceived him. His delusion was that he was a superhuman, just like Hero, that show. Along with this delusion came a set of rules that got at his life, including never talking about his cancer. When he later got his book published, he realized that he can't never talk about cancer again, because the book talks about his cancer. He is the author of the blog, I've Still Got Both My Nuts, and the book Twice, How He Became a Cancer-Slaying Superman Before He Turned 21. Please welcome in studio the one and only Benjamin Rubenstein. Hi, Ben. Hello. You say Rubenstein or Rubenstein? I believe it's Stein. You say Stein. I say Stein. I'm going to say Stein. We've we've botched everybody's name tonight, pretty much. Lisa Bernard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Matthew. Well, I was going to say, what did I call it? Matthew Rosenzweig. Rosenzweig one. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. But back to Ben. Uh, you have a terrific blog. First, we're going to go to. You're such an overachiever that you are two time, uh, a two time cancer the guy. Guy's so nice. He survived cancer twice. Yeah. So your first experience at 16 and then 19, and you were treated actually up in uh, Minnesota, is that right? Right. For the first cancer, I was treated at National Institutes of Health, okay. and then I received a stem cell umbilical cord transplant at University of Minnesota. And tell us, Ewing sarcoma, we've had a, we've had, um, Several people. a, a pretty, yeah, pretty good number of folks with Ewing sarcoma. Uh, myelodysplasia. Explain to the folks, the good folks out there, what that is Lisa exactly. Lisa learning phonics. Yeah. I am. So also known as myelodysplastic syndrome, a couple okay. there. Gesundheit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like a pre-leukemia, but recently it was classified as a cancer in itself. So can you kind of tease that out a little more? A, pre- a pre-leukemia, so a blood cancer. Right, so um, it's like an emptying of your bone marrow. So over a short period of time, the bone marrow stops producing platelets, red cells, white cells. That stuff's overrated anyway. Yeah. Now, were the two linked at all by doctors or no? Actually, yeah. The cytoxin I got for the first cancer caused the second one. Oh, nifty. Yeah. I was one of those 1% of lucky lucky survivors. Yeah. Wow. Love when that happens. Um, so how did you get going with your writing, getting the book done and deciding that you wanted to get your story out there? Yeah, when did you become Mr. Story? Irony? <laughs> so I was working the night shift at Hollywood Video after my second year of college, and I was all of a sudden hit with this idea that I should write a book. No inspiration, uh, nothing really motivational, just to write it. So it's that like out of a Kevin Smith movie or something. Yeah. You work at nights at a video store. Yeah, yeah. so that, I night, like it. that night I started writing by hand the first 500 words. The next day I realized that I can type like 120 words a minute, so why am I writing by hand? <laughs> so I continued writing, uh, typing more like it. Uh, until completion. I started it, and I didn't want to finish it, and that's how the book came about. And what kind of response have you gotten since, you, since your book came out? Did you do the whole, like, do readings, and who, who's, what, what's it been like for you to put your story out there? I thought, what did Oprah think? <laughs> yeah. Oprah's show ended. Maybe we can get it on her, her new network. But, um, you know, I've done some signings at Borders. Those are always fun. People walk by, look at you, and then just keep walking. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I've had some good response. I spoke at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and some of the patients really took to it. One in particular, he didn't want to read past the point in the book that he was at treatment currently. Uh, He sort of wanted his life to go by my story, and that was pretty touching. Wow, Wow. very nice. 
So what would you, if you could pull out sort of a couple of key snippets from your book to tell that, that you relate to the folks out there, or maybe maybe what was the toughest for you to sort of write yourself, um, what would that be? Um, well, you know, I was I was a little weirdo as a patient. I was one of those young kids that thought cancer made them superhuman somehow. I don't know if there's many out there, but maybe I'm the first. Well, if you're, if you're going to be a weirdo, that's a good way to be a weirdo, to think that you're superhuman. Right. You know, yeah. I thought I could see through nurses' scrubs. Unfortunately, that's not the case. <laughs> I wish. That's a different book. <laughs> yeah. Hello, that's the Playboy Club. He'll be there. Yes, you are. You're OMG the Playboy 2012. Club. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but so you were, you were, you were sort of let down that that wasn't quite what you, the, the power that you thought you'd be able to get once you were diagnosed. No, that, yeah, that's one of the few that I really wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had to settle with just thinking that I was my body could respond faster to the treatment and recover faster. That's sort of what I saw in myself, and so that led me to this defense mechanism that that I was better than normal humans. Uh, so that was my method of survival, I think. So you must have always been a superhero junkie. Are you a gamer? I am a gamer, but no, Superman comics and stuff like that, I never really read them. Yeah. Um, it was sort of just, you know, I couldn't think of another term that was worthy. Other Are than you Superman. a level three cancer survivor now? <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick with I'll stick with two time. Okay. That's good enough. Okay. So I'm sorry, you said you couldn't think of another term that was worthy. You were saying? Yes. So I, you know, I created this delusion that I was superhuman, that I could. Uh, you know, survive anything without any struggle. I didn't seek support groups at the time. I thought they you were... You realize that's not true, though, right? If you jumped off a building, you would actually die and get squished, right? Yeah, you know, I didn't test that one. Okay. Just want to just want to make sure. So that's interesting, though. Where did that... But So where do you think that came from? I mean, obviously, you're, as you said, it's a defense mechanism, but where where did that come from to go right to the superhuman? I think it was twofold. First, it was an aspect of my personality. I've always been kind of quiet and um, not very emotional. So that led me to kind of keep things easygoing. And then just seeing how my body responded, how my bone marrow kicked back quicker, how my blood cells recovered faster, the physical aspect led me to think that I was had some kind of super ability. Wow. Very nice. Did you wear a cape? Uh, invisible one. Okay. And so does that mean your X-ray vision was also invisible? It was non-existent, but I'm currently working on that one. He didn't. Okay. He's still trying to see through the nurse's scrubs. That's a that's a lifelong goal. I, I got a note to self. <laughs> I think that's a lifelong goal for every man. Yes. <laughs> or most men. It depends I on the say, nurse. Though. I shouldn't say every man. I'll say most men. Yes. Um, I have to say though, because I can see that Ben is, and you do go by Ben, correct? Yes is a baseball fan. He's got an Orioles cap on backwards. I'm a huge baseball fan. Does I am that mean fat. that you're more of a fan when it's on backwards? Does it, Ben? I don't think so. It's debatable. I, I don't think so. Have the because Orioles... a lot of girls, because uh, uh, there are a lot of women and girls who I have to say are big fans, and I don't I don't wear my cap backwards. The, wait. doesn't look good. Have though. the Orioles won anything recently? Well, they have 13 or 14 straight losing seasons, but this is the one we're going to pick it up. Oh, so, so you're, a Met, you're really a Mets fan then? Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that there's only there's only somebody 
Benjamin is actually um, dumber than I am in that I'm a Mets fan and he's an Orioles fan. So he's actually more masochistic wow. than I am, which is very, very tough to do. Um, but you have an amazing Harmon Killebrew story on your blog. I do. Tell everybody about that. Because so, Harmon Killebrew, we should say, obviously just died just passed of away, esophageal yeah. cancer. He made an announcement that he was stopping treatment. He was, I think, 74. 74, I believe. Yeah. So tell everybody your story. It was about four months after my umbilical cord stem cell transplant at the University of Minnesota. And there was a very nice woman there who wanted to hook us up at the Minnesota Twin Stadium. So my immune system was vulnerable, so they put us up in my own press box, me and my family. And it was Harmon Killebrew Day. So they were giving out baseball cards of his, and he was going around visiting people. So he came to our press box just with me and my parents and my brother, and he spoke with us for 20 minutes, signed a baseball, took a picture. Um, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. That's awesome. Harmon Killebrew, because we have a young listenership, and he was an old-time player. He was a great Minnesota Twins player and okay. a huge home run king. Right, yeah, top 15 top, home run list. Yep, and uh, what they called him, like, because his name, they called him, like, the killer, but he was actually supposed to be a very kind of gentle and mild-mannered kind of guy. So you got to meet him, and he came and talked to you for 20 minutes. That's awesome. Yes, it was excellent. That's really cool. That's and there's a picture of the two of you on your site, right? Yeah, I made it really small, and you can't you can't blow it up because I was real sickly looking. And uh, but uh, it, yes, it is a good picture. Um, I'll always remember that. How, how old are you now? I'm 27 now. Do, do you have any survivorship plan or report cards or stuff to look out for or late effects? Good question. You know, I went to just a couple weeks ago at George Washington University Hospital. There was a biennial. Cancer Survivorship Research Symposium, and they threw out some stats that that I found overwhelming. I think 20% of survivors smoke, 25% binge drink, 65% are physically inactive. And I was very much inspired to become an advocate for healthy living after survivorship. Um, I myself try to try to eat well, and I'm into physical fitness, that sort of thing. So I would like to spread the word on that. Amen. And do you wear makeup? I've never worn makeup. Maybe uh, if I get on that Oprah show, maybe. Very nice. Well, after tonight's show. You just might. You might have your eyebrows shaped a little bit differently. We have some parting gifts. I mean, they look eyebrows. nice. Do, they do look we need nice. uh, waxing or electrolysis or what? No, we just do tweezing and trimming. Just Brazilians. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just Brazilians. Do you have any idea what you're talking about yes, when you I said do, that? Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> I unfortunately do. Wow. Not from personal experience, well, I did. Thankfully. Because I don't want to lose our entire audience. No, I think again that would be a good fundraising uh, no. boon. No, Brazilian that we for could the cure. Yeah, Matthew gets a Brazilian bikini wax. Oh God! How, who, who would pay? Who wouldn't pay to see that? Yeah, I think we'll pay, we, people would pay for that not to happen. So it's a reverse <laughs> fundraiser. Yeah. Wait, so Ben, just one more thing. If you were the sick kid and you want to ignore this, was it that sort of that mind fuck where you became a superhero that That's made it? Curses. Oh, fuck, fuck. Would it? What? Go ahead. What was the rift that tripped in your mind that made it okay for you to let the world know what you were going through without you feeling the embarrassment of having to hide it from them? I think writing the book, I I didn't know why I wrote it for a while. And looking back, I probably started writing it as a, a loophole around my rule of never talking about cancer, never complaining. So my writing would allow myself to... Um, share part of my story without really breaking my own personal rules. 
And so over time, you know, reaching out to people, I've found it rewarding to uh, discuss my story and listen to others as well. Well, I, I can accept that. I can accept that as well. You realize now everyone knows you had cancer, right? Yeah, a couple times, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, because you have a book, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure. You have two books, actually. I want to make sure. Oh, the blog, actually. The blog. How many people follow your blog? Um, not too many. I get, you know, sometimes every once in a while a popular site will link to it, and it'll shoot up my stats tenfold, which is pretty awesome. I have one of those stat counters. So, and uh, I follow very closely. So does Cancer Slayer, does that stem from your gaming background or your your World of Warcraft nerddom or something? Close. I actually was reading James Patterson books about Alex Cross, his series on Alex sure, Cross. Sure, sure. And uh, he is called the Dragon Slayer. And I wanted to relate that to myself, so I thought Cancer Slayer was good. Beats Cancer Survivor. Who did, who did the fabulous artwork for your book cover? A good friend of mine from high school, Mike Rita. Very talented guy. It's pretty cool got, stuff. Got you all decked out like a superhero. Yeah. Well, Benjamin's a great guest. Yes, and you're he's sticking com- around the whole show. He's so you can chime in lot. anytime you want. And when Rami starts speaking, Rami. 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 Uh, you can interrupt him anytime you want. You know, I have this wealth of knowledge about tweezing in Brazilian, whatever you said. So okay. I will <laughs> chime in all the time. Okay, fantastic. All right, well, Ben, thank you for being our guest on the show. You are an Thanks, amazing ben. survivor. You, this is the consummate reason why we have a Survivor Spotlight. Agreed, Matthew. You people know about. Thank you very much. Benjamin Rubenstein. Right. Uh, let's get to Mia, and then we'll do the news after her, because he's sitting here patiently. Rami. He is sitting here patiently. Rami. Just Rami. Again. Yes. Yes. Did you hurt yourself? No, but it, uh, now I can't hear you. You can't it. hear me? No. Oh, no. Okay. Well, Lisa can finagle your... Uh... Oh. Yeah, you see, when the headphones get unplugged from the system, that's called a technical snafu. <laughs> All right. Don't worry. I've had that happen many times. <laughs> Whoops. All right. Let's, uh, let's use this one here. Cool, young I, like this. Okay. I like this song. Yeah. All right. All you. This here's the cheese for all you fellas tried to do what those ladies tell us. Oh, should we introduce Mia? You should probably introduce her. Mia Davis is the organizing director of the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics and the co-leader of the work group for Safe Markets. Both national coalitions work to influence the market and pass legislation that will reduce or eliminate toxic chemicals in consumer products, including carcinogens in baby shampoo, reproductive toxins in food cans, and harmful unlabeled ingredients in a myriad of everyday products. Mia has six years of experience leading national campaigns and over ten years of experience as an environmental health advocate. She completed her master's in international Development, Community Environment from Clark University in 2003. And at her university, Mia focused on brownfield remediation. She'll tell us about that, corporate accountability, and the environmental policies of the WTO, World Trade Organization, for which she reported in the book, Unholy Trinity, the IMF, World Bank, and WTO. She lives in Boston with her partner and animals, and here she is, Mia Davis. Mia. Hi. Hi there. Hi, Mia. Hi, how are you guys? Welcome We're great. to the Stupid Thanks Cancer Show. Out. Thanks for filling in for Stacy. Absolutely. Thanks for coming out on Memorial Day. We'll make Stacy feel really bad about this. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, happy Memorial Day. It's an incredibly beautiful evening here in uh, Boston, and my neighbors are rocking out, so hopefully hopefully that won't interfere with our interview. No, that's okay. We'll get you off as soon as possible because we know that the alcohol beckons, right? <laughs> 
Yes. That's what, that was a yes in radio speak. <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's get down to So tell us about um, the campaign for Safe Cosmetics, who's behind that and how that came together and what you guys do. Sure. Well, the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics is a national coalition of different nonprofit organizations, so environmental groups, environmental health groups, women's groups, consumer rights groups, and some of the more like, um, you know, the environmental groups that most people think of when they think of environment, like Greenpeace. And we all got together in 2004 because we realized there are toxic chemicals in personal care products that people use every day. And this isn't just makeup. Uh, This is anything you put on your body pretty much everything from deodorant to face wash to cologne to shampoo, pretty much everything that we use in our daily beauty and health routines is a cosmetic. And they're pretty much unregulated right now in 2011 in the, in the U.S. And it's uh, perfectly legal to put carcinogens, uh, hormone disruptors, which are linked to cancer, and other toxic or untested chemicals in these products that we use daily. So, fun stuff. I've worked in the TV business for years and had uh, makeup and hairspray and, you know, just layers and layers of it. Just It just kept pouring in on me, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and sprayed again every hour and the teasing. So, what's the, um, what's your, what's your like, hit list? Do you have, like, your kind of top five or top ten that folks should just lo- really look at the label and try to stay away from? Yeah, there are a couple of tips that we can talk about and we can also uh, direct to safecosmetics.org to learn a lot more about this issue. Um, since there are so many cosmetics and people have a lot of different preferences and brand loyalty and they want to experiment, it's definitely best to go to the website just to kind of get uh, the big picture. But, um, you know, first I'll say that you should be able to use whatever you want in terms of cosmetics and not feel bad about it, and you should be able to slather yourself with them all day if it's for your job or because it's what you want to do. And they just shouldn't be toxic. So I just want to get that right out there because I'm not advocating that people go all, you know, stripped down, hippie, crunchy granola necessarily. I want people to do whatever they want to do to feel good about the way they look and to feel, you know, physically good. But what we're advocating for at the campaign is that any product you buy, whether it's in the salon or it's CVS or a drugstore, you know, it should be free of chemicals that are linked to cancer and other health health problems. So to answer your original question, um, Are there a few products that are, you know, we should really be wary of? Um, Nail products um, tend to be a little bit more toxic than a lot of other personal care products, which probably is no surprise to anybody listening because if you just walk by one of those nail places in the mall, you're like, whoa, you know, you kind of get hit with that. You almost pass out. Yeah, but there's something to be said for contact highs. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know what you're getting into and that's what you're looking for, that's different. It's when we don't know what we're putting on our bodies and our So what, what are you talking about, like the acetone? What's the stuff at the bottom? What, what are some chemicals specifically with nail products that we should steer clear of? Well, the campaign has been advocating for all the major nail uh, product producers to go what we call three-free. There's three super toxic chemicals that used to be used in, to- in, uh, in nail polish all the time. Those are formaldehyde. That's a known carcinogen. Right. Polyweed. And DBP, it's called dibutyl phthalate, doesn't usually appear on an ingredient label either. Okay. Um, we ad- we've been advocating that nail polish companies go be free, and a lot of them have responded. So that's good news. Uh, you do still have to kind of think about whether you want to use nail polish, especially if your health is compromised and you're in a situation where you're really watching what's going in your body and on your body. Um, another one to be aware of is hair dye. Uh, yeah. darker, hair, darker hair dyes tend to be really pretty toxic most of the time. Darkers um, are more toxic. Yeah. So if you're going to go blonde, you're better off? <laughs> you're better off if to go blonde? Really, 
if you look at it that way, if you're going to dye your hair and you're uh, you're really between, you know, darker light, lighter might be better. But there are safer products out there for for hair dye, for nail products, and for everything from you know foundation to cologne to deodorants. Um, and the way that you can find those is by going to safecosmetics.org and getting um, a tip sheet of some of the chemicals to avoid. And you can basically call us or download this information, call us to get it sent to you in a hard copy or download it if you have access to a computer. Uh, And you can tear off this tip sheet with some of the chemicals that you want to avoid and put it in your wallet. So next time you're at CVS, you know, you don't have to be, what was that that woman talking about? You know, what are some of the chemicals I want to avoid? And you can have this tip sheet right there. And there are also um, just some general some general rules of thumb that we advise. For one, uh, if you flip over your your shampoo and you see on the ingredient label like dozens and dozens of chemicals that you can't pronounce, you've never heard of, and if fragrance is really high up on the ingredient label, skip to another bottle. You kind of have to use your intuition a little bit and think, what am I putting on my body? If I have to be, you know, an organic chemist or a PhD in chemistry to understand what some of these chemicals are, especially if we're looking to, you know, stay healthy and reduce our toxic load during critical times in life. Uh, right, but it, if the, if those multisyllabic chemicals are also in Twinkies, doesn't that mean it's not that bad for you? Funny, Matthew. <laughs> Twinkies. Nope. I'm kidding. Stay, they'll stay uh, in, in, intact on your desk for years, for decades. Right. It's because like, all the, it's all like the self-preservation, literally and figuratively. <laughs> No, we, we've, had, that way. we've had the campaign for Safe Cosmetics on three years in a row, um, usually during October for Pink Nausea because you guys attack the, the um, rightfully attack, I won't say negatively, you, you rightfully call out as the watchdogs you are trying to be and do so well, the cosmetic companies who purport, you know, supporting breast cancer awareness through cosmetics that may cause breast cancer, the irony there being uh, its own thing. But with regard to... Who's watching the watchers? Um, the um, what is it? The uh, the EPA has a whole bunch of toxins on their list that are not even checked. Um, are you guys going after the EPA or are you going after the cosmetic companies? Uh, that's a great question, and the answer is a little bit of everything. Um, it's actually the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, that regulates cosmetics. If they had the power to regulate them in the you, first place, the um, FDA. You got one letter right. The A. Well, it's the Environmental Protection Agency probably should yep. care what the FDA does, too, then, right? No, definitely. definitely. I mean, you're not wrong. The EPA is the agency in our country that regulates a lot of chemicals. Most of the chemicals on the market come under FD, F, I'm sorry, EPA purview, and that system's really broken, too, and that's a bill called TOSCA, Toxic Substances Control Act. It's a really, really broken, broken bill. And then the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, would be the agency that's in charge of regulating cosmetics, except that they are so underfunded and so um, underpowered, basically. There's so many loopholes in the law that's on the books. That law, by the way, 70 years old. So if you think of what's happened in the cosmetic industry in 70 years, you can only imagine. Um, So we we are fighting to get the FDA empowered so that they can actually regulate this $50 billion industry. So to answer your question, Matthew, we really want to work with the FDA to regulate. We want to work with companies, and we do, to say, hey, your products should be free of carcinogens, mutagens, and reproductive toxins before they hit store shelves. We should not be having a conversation about how much lead is allowed in lipstick or how much reproductive toxin is allowed in men's cologne that's being marketed 
you know, through Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, their fierce cologne. We shouldn't have to have this conversation. You know, you shouldn't have to have me on this radio show. It's ridiculous. So right, but to, we're take, asking, the, to take the cynics yeah. view, so, so to take the, the agribusiness perspective is, you know, how do you respond when you're on like a Larry King show when they when they say the following? Look, it's a free market economy. People have to be conscious consumers and choose by themselves. It's not our responsibility. We'll put in what we want because we can. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we don't usually hear we'll we'll put in what we want and it's up to consumers. <laughs> I was being really, is, really evil. But well, on on a very close related note, which we do here, is it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of carcinogen in, you know, the baby bubble bath, which we did find, by the way. We found hidden carcinogens in baby bubble bath, um, really common ones. I don't like bathe in kids. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying, you know, this really runs the gamut. Which one? Well, we usually, um, it's on our website if you go to safecosmetics.org and then to report. It's called No More Toxic Tub. But we tested dozens of the most popular baby bubble baths um, and shampoos and baby products and found formaldehyde and 1,4-dioxane in in the majority of the products that we tested. And those those chemicals weren't even on the ingredient label. So consumers can't be super vigilant. I mean, we have tips, and you can do your best, and you should. You should feel like you can can be empowered with these tips to find safer products. But we also know that we cannot just shop our way out of this problem. And that's why we need the FDA to regulate the cosmetic industry. And that's why we need to call our elected officials and say, hey, we, we want you, representatives and senators, to empower the FDA to be able to actually keep us safe. This is a really unnecessary toxic exposure. Because, you know, we know, and on average, American women are using about 10 products a day. Sounds like a lot, right? But if yeah, you think that's about a lot. It, it, and, and it is. It, but if you think about it, even if you consider yourself low maintenance, a lot of the time you're using a shampoo, conditioner, face wash, toothpaste, deodorant, body lotion. I mean, there's five or six right there, right? And the then... It adds yeah, up. No. So a little bit, a little bit adds up, and adds we know up, that. Does. Yeah, and for babies and people in critical windows of development, you know, kids going through puberty, people living with cancer, these are all really critical times where a little bit of toxic chemicals can really do a number. Really go a long way. So let's talk about a couple of other specific things. First of all, all the shampoo uh, that I buy says organic, but can you tr- how much can you trust it if it's not USDA organic, which is, I see the label that's on Matthew's. Actually, the Matthew is drinking organic honey green tea that has a USDA. He probably didn't even notice that on his bottle, which I, I try to look for the USDA organic, urine. <laughs> organic label. <laughs> um, so can you only trust that, or can you trust others that say organic? And another specific, um, just because it's an ingredient that a lot of people know about, and Robbie and I were talking about it earlier, and we'll talk about it with him too, parabens. A lot of people know about parabens, methylparaben, propylparaben. They have all kinds of prefixes on them. How bad are those, and how can you trust or not an organic label on, say, a shampoo? Mm -hmm. Great, great question. So the first one, or the organic question, um, because the cosmetic industry is basically unregulated, companies can say that a product is organic or natural or safe or, you know, fill in the blank, uh, and no one is really minding the store. So they're, unlike food, the cosmetic industry is allowed to use those claims um, whenever they want. Um, and unless you see the USDA symbol 
for that the ingredients, if you flip it over and look at the actual ingredient label, you know, on the back of the product yeah. or the product box, if you see a little asterisk and see that they have been certified organic by a, a real body like the state of California or Oregon or um, the USDA is the most well-known and probably the most popular organic standard in this country, then you can know that your product has organic ingredients. And the USDA um, seal actually has a few different um, levels to it when it comes to cosmetics, too. Um, a product can be considered organic when it has, I think it's 95% or higher organic ingredients. Yeah. And there are, there are different gradations. So you're totally right that you need to look for seals. And there are other uh, cosmetic certifications as well. I actually just wrote an, an action alert slash blog post about this for April Fool's Day called Don't Greenwash Me. And, right. you're, you know, greenwashing being the the, the idea, the, the unfortunate reality that so many companies um, now greenwash and pinkwash, saying that they, they are something that they're, they're not. All they're all So check the label, and it's either got to be USDA yep. or perhaps endorsed by a lo- by a state uh, or agency, is what you're saying, right? And That's, not yeah. by Monsanto. Right. That's right. Um, okay, <laughs> and, then the, and then parabens, what's your, what's your feeling? Tell us about parabens. You know, parabens are a really understudied chemical that's very commonly used in cosmetics. And, um, and it's kind of many places in life, not just in cosmetics, correct? Yeah, they are used in other in other products, less so than a lot of other cosmetic ingredients. There are other um, phthalates and other chemicals that are common in cosmetics that we see in a lot of different consumer products. But parabens, what we know isn't very encouraging. When um, scientists have looked for parabens in breast cancer tumors, they have found them uh, more often than not or all the time. I actually don't know the data on that, so I'm not going to say for sure, but I know that it's um, majority of the time and, and concerning. But, but this also leads to a really interesting point that, that you bring up. When we don't know, when we only know a little bit about a chemical or we don't know much about a chemical, does it mean that it's safe? Hell no, it doesn't mean that it's safe, but that is the uh, that is the MO that we're operating under right now in the U.S., not just for cosmetics, but for a lot of other products that we use daily. You know, our clothes, our furniture, our electronics, uh, the pesticides on our food. Um, we are told, you know, hey, uh, we didn't find anything that says that it's bad, so we're just going to use it. But if you don't look, <laughs> you don't find anything that says that it's bad, then we turn into the human guinea pigs for a lot of the chemicals that are on the market. There are over 85,000 chemicals on the market right now, about 12,500 in cosmetic products, and only 10% have ever been assessed for safety. Wow. Well, there's a, there you go, folks. Check your labels. If you don't understand yep. it, and it has a lot of uh, syllables, it's probably best to stay away. So but if, you're, if yeah. you're applying mascara and like a third eye appears on your face... <laughs> That's not a good sign. That's, that's your sign, sign that you have to look at your labels. You might want to switch brands. Unless you're a Buddhist. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because the third eye is... Okay. Yeah. But the website you know, is safecosmetics.org, yep. correct? Safecosmetics.org. And from safecosmetics.org, you can not only read our reports and get some some handy tips, you can also link to the Skin Deep database, which is a really cool consumer tool to search the safety of specific ingredients. So if you had heard a lot about parabens and you wondered what was up with those, you could search for parabens. Or if you're using Pantene and you wonder how, how safe that is, uh, you can search for by product type or by product class, and you get a, a hazard score from 0 to 10. And that can really, really help you feel empowered as a consumer to make some safer choices. But like I said, at the end of the day, we can't shop our way out of this problem. We really need folks who are listening to the show to join us at safecosmetics.org. 
and to get some tips and tools for calling their elected officials because believe me, the cosmetic industry will be calling them. So we need you to call them too and say, hey, I find it unacceptable that there are carcinogens and products that we smear all over our bodies every day. Certainly we can do better. Europe's already doing better. Come on, America. This is, this is it's time. I just rub kale all over my body now. <laughs> I use kale for everything. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's organic, right? Yep. Exactly. Well, All Mia, right. thank you Thanks, so guys. much. Great stuff, thank Mia. Thanks Give my best the to the team. I will. Thanks so much. Have a great summer. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's, that's a good organization Mia's to know of. Campaign for Safe Cosmetics. Safecosmetics.org. They've got all the answers, good or stuff. at least a lot of them. Well, so if you're going to bathe in kale, then I should just juice myself, right? You should just juice yourself? Yeah, just jump in a blender. <laughs> no, that could get really ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Then I won't be healthy. No. No, it's bad. Oh, the Twinkies. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. I haven't had a Twinkie both... in 20 years. Is that right? No, not 20 years, no. Um, I'm lying. Okay, Hello, here's the news. I'm Kent Brockman. What about a ring ding? I'm a yodel guy. Really? The yodel? Yodel doesn't, it's just cakey. It doesn't have any, like, frosting on it. No, yodels are good. Yodels are good. Oh, no, no, yodels are good. Yeah. That's right. I was thinking of a devil dog. Devil dogs are paste, crap, desert, You could death. choke on a devil yes. dog. Too dry. Yes. All right. During this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we don't want you missing out on, and they're all free. They're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences, happy hours, retreats, kayaking, mountain climbing trips, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar curls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. If you want us to talk about your event, email info at stupidcancer.com. Lisa. All right, head on over to events.stupidcancer.com, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods and we don't missing out. What, we don't want you missing out, Matthew. Yeah, we get happy hour in D.C., happy hours in Seattle, happy hours in North Carolina. We have the fifth annual Stupid Cancer Ungala here in New York coming up on June 9th, next Thursday. That's exciting. Go to stupidcancerungala.com. Please help us out. It's going to be a great $80 open bar for three hours. It's the best recession-friendly deal in town. And on June 23rd, I'll be in Chicago with Johnny Irriman at our Stupid Cancer Boot Camp on Fertility. Wow. All right. We're gonna, I'm going to cut this a little bit short because we're running late, but I'm going to tell everybody that you've got to head over to omg2012.org if you'd like to help contribute to planning to the OMG Summit in Vegas that Matthew was talking about earlier in the show, omg2012.org. All right, and the Stupid Cancer Forums have almost 700 people now. It's really taking off. It's got a life of its own. Connect with anyone. Talk about anything at stupidcancerforums.com. If you want to help our organization but don't know how, go to the Stupid Cancer Street Team. It's free and it's easy, and you can win prizes. Help build our grassroots efforts and meet thousands of authentic fans from around the globe. Stupidcancerarmy.com. All right, don't forget about tomorrow night's Leukemia Lymphoma Society's Why I Connect webinar. It's free. It's on Tuesday nights at lls.org slash Connect. I2Y is partnering with Cancer and Careers on the first ever national conference on working cancer. Friday, June 17, 2011 in New York City. Topics will include job search, legal issues, health insurance, working during treatment, and more. Visit cancerandcareers.org backslash conference. And lastly but not least, uh, visit our friends at immermanangels.org, the one, one-to-one peer matching gold standard here in the young adult world. And visit our friends at First Descent for the premier outdoor young adult outdoor adventure organization experience at firstdescents.org. And I have to give a quick shout-out to the one and only Ann Kramer from oh. Michigan. 
Anne is at First Ascent this week. Nice. She texted me to give them a shout-out, and uh, her nickname is Hot Lips. Oh, I believe that. So we will have Anne on the show when she gets back from First Ascent. I believe that. Talk all about that. First Ascent rocks. You guys have a great time in Colorado, and that is your Stupid Cancer Cancer News. All right. You know what, Rami? You're getting Rickrolled, buddy. What is Rickrolled? Oh, Rick Astley. Nice. Rickrolled. You know, Matthew is just full of surprises when it comes to introductory music. A little Rick Astley for Rami. Rami gets Rickrolled. Wow. Okay. Take that as you will. Rami Gaffney was the makeup director at a top Fifth Avenue salon. In his early 30s, he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but continued to work for treatment despite the changes in appearance that the lymphoma caused. That was until his boss fired him for not being, quote, that pretty boy they hired. He's not sure how he feels about being a pretty boy in the first place, but he's going to tell us all about that. Please welcome makeup artist Rami Gaffney. Hello. Hey, Rami. You get the big applause. Yay. You look pretty to me. Thank you. I knew I liked you. <laughs> I used to right. hair like that. <laughs> I used Boy, that to. must have been a long time ago. It was uh, the day before I got cancer. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I shut you up. Oh. <laughs> that pretty pie hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rami. So you were at a salon, so walk us through the events here. Non-Hodgkins, and you get canned. Uh, well, yeah, I went to work every day through chemo. Um, I Wait, was, now, where were you working? Um, I, I or, don't like to say okay. their name because they, they went out of business anyway. Um, well, there you go. Later, so, um, but, uh, Karma's a bitch. Was it that place from Jersey Licious? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Although that looks like it would cause cancer to me. <laughs> but... Um, I, you know, I went to work every day. I wanted to keep as much normalcy in my life. Um, my prognosis was good. Basically, I was told, um, get through treatment, get rid of it, and get on with your life, and I believed it. And you were how old? I was 31. I started chemo, actually, the day after my 32nd birthday. Happy um, birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yes, uh, but, you know, thank God for it. Well, that's your candle, and here's now. your IV. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so uh, my mom, I was telling earlier, uh, my mom is a cancer survivor, Yeah, and uh, at the time that I was diagnosed, she had survived Hodgkin's disease many years earlier, and got rid of it, got on with her life, and so that was my role model. I said, she did it, I'm going to do the same thing. So she had Hodgkin's and you had non-Hodgkin's? I had non-Hodgkin's, and every medical professional says there was no connection between wow. uh, you know, between her But is that like a mine. proton and an electron? You just cancel each other I out? I don't get it. I mean, they're both lymphatic cancers. Yes. We're yeah. both at similar age when we had it, uh, so clearly, to me, it's seems clear there's some genetic predisposition. Right. right. Uh, neither of us smoked, um, but my dad was a smoker, so yeah. maybe that had some influence. Yeah. Did you go to safecosmetics.com? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> um, I am going to. Actually, I found that very interesting because I've had clients that get the Brazilian hair straightening, and, you know, there was some scandal in the media earlier this year that it's full of formaldehyde. Really? And so a lot of people stopped doing it, um, and a lot of people did not stop doing it. And I would say to them, you know, my clients would say, I'm going to go get it done again. And I would say, you know, it's full of formaldehyde. And people just don't care. Wait, you know, people even know what formaldehyde is. They know that it's something that's used 
you know, in dead people. <laughs> yeah, when you, when, you, when you dissect the frog in eighth grade, it's yeah. in formaldehyde. Yeah, it preserves so, dead tissue. Right, yeah. and I think people just, you know, even if you hear words like, Doesn't you know, might cause cancer, and might, but yeah. they're like, yeah, but I don't have to blow dry my hair every day. Right. You know, and that's really what people will answer. You know, so I think it's very interesting that, I, but on the other hand, I do think that the consumer is much more sophisticated than they used to be. Sure. You know, it's just, but each consumer decides for themselves, you know, how... How, you know, what action they want to take. Some right. people don't care enough to make a change, and others, of course, do. So you were diagnosed, you were working at this um, salon. Yes. And so you started your treatment, and then so what happened via um, your work? Initially, I lost my hair, and, you know, it was a hair salon, so it was great. I had someone there to shave my head, and, of course, that was a big ritual in front of right. you know, all my colleagues. Um, and... Um, I looked good bald, frankly, and then uh, initially I lost a few pounds. You know, those pesky last, like, seven pounds. Nothing like a chemo diet. People were like, yeah, this is really agreeing with you. Like, you look hot (laughs) with a bald head, and you've lost a few pounds. Like, this is, you look great. And and actually, I really did feel like at work they were much more um, embracing of the situation because I happened to look good. But then as the chemo progressed, and I was also on prednisone, and also, I'm a foodie, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I had a fear of wasting away. So you got puffy? So you... I got puffy, and any time I did have an appetite, I would go to town and eat. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I craved a lot of weird stuff, and yeah. I, uh, like huge jars of pickles and a lot of salty stuff. And I caved into like you were pregnant cravings. beyond, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> you know, giving birth to an alien. And, <laughs> and um, but I I started gaining weight, and I remember my doctor, my oncologist. You know, I, at first I was thrilled. Oh, I gained two pounds. This is good. I'm surviving somehow. You know, I'm not wasting away. Right, right. And my oncologist said, be careful because if you keep gaining two pounds every time you have chemo, you're going to have a problem when this is over. And it was very uh, prophetic because that's exactly what happened. I ended up gaining about 35 pounds and also got puffy on the prednisone. So Mm -hmm. it looked like 50 pounds. And actually, gaining weight was the cardinal sin at work. Oh, um, yeah. That was when things really took a nosedive. So it wasn't that you had yeah. cancer, it was that you looked bad. Very much so, actually, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you That's actually got fired? I mean, how did they go about... Well, well once I didn't look great, um, mm-hmm. you know, to my face, they were very supportive. They would say to me, you know, it's so great that you're coming to work every day. We really value that. Um, but apparently, and I would, I remember telling my colleagues, oh, this is so great. The boss just said, you know, that, you know, he's got my back and not to worry. And they were like, don't believe everything you hear, you know, don't trust anyone. And I was like, why are they saying that? Because the, why would he, you know, assure me for 45 minutes if he, if he didn't want me to work here? And then really what they were doing was trying to figure out ways to make me quit. Yeah. And which to me, I, I'm, you know, now I have my own company. It's like if I don't want someone to work for me, I feel that it's my right to terminate that employment. Okay. Um, but so I'm from the school, like, if they didn't want me to work for them, just fire me. Just tell me, take a leave of absence. There were, there were so many ways they could have handled it um, without really... Um, but this, so they just made your life miserable, you They made saying? my life so, miserable, which so, to me is worse than firing right, someone. Right. You know, because I was already in a very stressful situation. Right. I was already trying to cope with treatment and surviving and everything that that entails emotionally. Yeah. And then having to go to work every day face, facing a very tense situation. Um, There were a hundred other employees there. Everybody knew what was going on. So you're dealing with your colleagues being kind of sympathetic and kind of also distancing themselves because they don't want to get fired also by being too chummy with you. And it it really was an emotional roller coaster. And it's a very ugly thing to do to someone when they're going through treatment. So finally, what you were just so... Finally, they did something really ugly. Really? Yeah. And it forced me to... I, I finally... It forced my hand and I confronted them. 
and I always say that going Can you through, tell us what that is? Well, they, I had a regular client that I would do every year. I would do her makeup for the Emmy Awards, and uh, she had booked me. And the salon was two levels, and I was, my makeup station was upstairs. And I'm waiting and waiting for the client, and she never showed up. And I would call the front desk, and they would say, no, she's not here, didn't show up. And um, it turned out she did show up, and they told her that I was out sick and in the hospital. And they had another makeup artist secretly working downstairs, like squirreled away downstairs, and they had the other makeup artist do her Please makeup. tell me it was Cher. It wasn't Cher. <laughs> then I'd really be in a – heads would have rolled. Yeah. I mean, that would have been – although I have done her makeup. Really? Yes, and she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Wow. So this is clearly a case of cancer discrimination in the workplace, yes, right? Yes, and you ha- ev- everyone says lawsuit, lawsuit, yeah. the minute they hear the story. Um, the we, truth didn't, was, we had a spinoff theme to the show here yeah. tonight. Yeah. The, the truth was I really, um, I was still in treatment, and I didn't want to deal with a five-year battle of negative energy and stress, you know, with a lawsuit pending. Right. I did speak to a few lawyers um, who all said it was a very open and shut case, like a strong case. Right. However, it would have cost me at the time, this was, 13 years ago, 12 years ago, um, it would have been about $100,000 that I didn't have in legal fees. Um, and uh, one lawyer said, if you're lucky, you'll win 200000 and half of that is going to go to taxes. And yeah. right. So what are you doing here? Math. You're going to be right. And, you know, if a lawyer says it's going to be 100000 it might be 200000 in legal fees. So he suggested don't do it, but um, they would take the case on consignment and file complaints with the EEOC because it is illegal to fire someone who has cancer. So that's what we did, and then they collected a third of and, – and I basically got my severance pay. Okay. That was it. I didn't go for the jugular. We could have been a lot tougher. But for me, it, was about, it wasn't about the money. It was about not going quietly. And right. So that yeah. they'll think twice with the next person you know, who's not well. You know, they'll treat them better than they treated me because they'll be afraid not to. Good for you. So what do you now, you're, you're very focused on sort of looking good as a means to make you feel good during your treatment, is well, that right? And how did yeah. you sort of finally get, because you look great now, how did you Thanks. get yourself sort of back into shape and then kind of propel that forward in terms of your career to spread the word to others? Just as I got fired, while I was still working there actually, um, and in the middle of chemo, I did the uh, proposal for a book. I had an idea for a makeup book for people living with cancer, how to look and feel your best. Because I learned some little tricks, you know, how to go to work every day and conceal the dark circles and make my skin tone look better. And so I thought, I'm lucky I'm a makeup artist. I know what to do. Let me share that with the average person who is a little bit clueless maybe with makeup. And then suddenly they're staring at a stranger in the mirror. So um, it started out as basically a how-to book, very simple. But as I started writing it, it also became about going into warrior mode or sure. like Ben, a slayer. Yeah. You know, I think that's a very important um, part of treatment is you have to visualize and kind of go into that fighting mode. Right. I call it warrior mode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I encourage people to, like, do anything, like, be selfish. You know, take time for yourself. Do whatever makes you happy. I'm not saying go into debt, you know, and, <laughs> right. like, don't, don't go out and buy those Manolo Blahniks <laughs> if you can't afford them. But, you know, go to pay less and treat yourself. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, like, this is the time to do for yourself. And I think it's all part of that. I think especially women going through treatment, you know, the, the women in the family tend to be the caregivers. Yeah. So, you know, it's... See, Matthew responds to Manolo Blahniks. He's just—you never know. You never know with this. Yeah, you never know with this guy. He's very in touch with his feminine side when you least expect it. Well, does any? I mean, I feel like your retaliation should have been like, like, 
Molotov cocktailing them with like <laughs> with, with with toxic cosmetics. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I actually it's funny because actually that whole topic because I really feel like you know that's where I was working when I was diagnosed and there was um, a lot of hairspray yeah. around yeah. me Ooh. and I always felt like it was so toxic like yeah. I would always be kind of yeah. prissy and be like oh get away from me when you're spraying that and but it was unavoidable at work and yeah. I always wondered if maybe that didn't have some some in some way exacerbate my coming sure. down with lymphoma. Well, it's like bartenders and waitresses that work in restaurants where there's still legal smoking. Mm-hmm. It's been shown longitudinally that they have like a three or four time higher risk of getting esophageal cancer, lung cancer, well, mouth cancer. Christopher Reeves' wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. She never smoked a day in her life, she, but she was a singer, and yeah. she would sing in bars where people smoked all around her. Yep. And they think that's where her lung cancer mm-hmm. She was from. a health career yeah. right now. Well, your website's Rami.com, R-A-M-Y. You get that? How many years ago did you register to get that? <laughs> I actually, it used to be RamiBeautyTherapy.com, and... Um, I just basically followed it. It was some guy named Rami in Florida. (laughs) Like, here's my house, here's my kids, here's my dog. And I offered to buy it, and he wouldn't sell it. And then eventually it just lapsed, and I pounced on it and locked it in for eternity. And now you you are like Cher, because you can just go by Rami. By Rami.com. Yeah, a lot of, even some of my dearest clients don't even know my last name, some of them, which is really funny to me. Um, What do you think about the, I'm actually just interested in your opinion on this, because you've had a lot of um, celebrity clients, uh, when they are diagnosed with cancer, you know, some of them are public about it, more than males than females. Some of them just want to sort of cover it up and go away. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think in terms of their, you know, and I've covered entertainment for a lot of years, do you think in terms of their public image, or because there's so much that even when they're uh, healthy that goes into not showing how much weight they have or, you know, right. doing so much cosmetic surgery to not show their lines. I, I, mean, I think it depends where someone is in their career. Yeah. I mean, I think if they're an established icon, you know, or if they're, uh, you know, for example, it used to be a few years ago even that having a baby meant the end of your career right. as a leading lady. Right. You know, basically now you're going to be the best friend in every movie right. if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you get that, even if you get those jobs. Yeah. So it was sort of like the kiss of death for a young uh, or you know a leading lady actress to have a baby now um, every time someone has a baby they they're on the cover of People magazine yeah. so it's now become it's like a they're career a hero move. like nobody's ever had right. a baby before yeah, right. it's yeah. become a career move it's become like you know it's it's something it's publicity to have a child um, and I'm sure there are some celebrities out there that are having children just for the PR to to some degree but I think with cancer it's the same thing it depends where they are in their career Um, if they feel their career can survive it Um, I think of someone like Kylie Minogue who is uh, maybe 40 and she's you know, considered a great beauty, Mm -hmm. and she was very open about her breast cancer, and I don't think it hurt her at all. It didn't hurt her career. She literally got through it and just picked up where she left off. Um, So I think she's a great example of someone who just was honest, you know, with her public. The other pop singer, um, the Latino pop, uh, Shakira. Yes. Oh, another breast cancer survivor. You know, Shakira had breast cancer? I I don't remember that. that, No, that was Soraya. Soraya. Paulina, there was someone. No, hang on. Help us out in the chat room Anastasia, here. Why are we blanking on this? And Delta Goodrum, Anastasia, um, uh, and Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Cheryl Crow did have breast cancer. Melissa she was very open about it. Um, but I think it depends where. I think if it's someone who's an ingenue, you know, um, they might not say anything. And I'm sure there are actors out there that we have no idea that they've gone through cancer. Right, exactly. You know, um, but I do think now it's more and more open. Um, I forget his name, the guy who plays Dexter. Oh, Michael, Michael C. Hall. Hall. Michael C. Right. Hall. Yeah. He went through um, lymphoma, and right. uh, when he had to accept a, his Emmy Award, it right. was obvious that he was going through treatment, yeah. and he was open about it. 
Um, I, I think many more people are open about it, and the world at large kind of knows that it's not a death sentence anymore. Right. You know, so so give so are there a couple of tips that you can give to people listening if they do if they are going to work? You were saying like you knew the tips if if you're, you know, I mean, obviously some people want to disclose or they have to disclose obviously to their boss. But if you don't want to go in and you feel like you want a little boost and not look maybe sick, what are some easy things that you suggest? Very basic stuff. And and by the way, I do have um, I did a, a DVD for, of um, makeup for cancer patients that kind of illustrates what's in my book, and I have it broken down into chapters, and you can watch it all for free. On Rami.com. If you go to Rami.com and it's like the Rami on TV, all the chapters are there, and it's completely free. Post and that on our yeah, chat room here. That's nice. It's, yeah, it's a it's a great thing, and it's um. But basically, concealer is your best friend. You know, mm-hmm. I looked like Uncle Fester. I had like the blackened, dark eyes. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and I was very pale. Um, every day my skin looked different. Like one day I was very pale, and and at work they you know really took glee in telling me every day, oh you look green today. Yeah. Oh you look yellow. Oh you look gray. And uh, it was like a, a, you know, it was just like a daily occurrence. So, uh, you know, a little bronzer, nobody could tell what the hell was going on yeah, under yeah, it. Yeah, I just right. looked good. Yeah. Um, so concealer, bronzer, if you're not sure about bronzer. Um, I have a, it's funny, the first few products I came out with um, all had like life-affirming names, like laugh, smile, chutzpah, thrive, celebrate. <laughs> and I had my alive blush. And that's still my favorite product to this day because it's like a nude, very light bronzer. And men, women, anybody can use it. And it just gives you, like, healthy color. So it's like a safe bet if you're not comfortable with makeup and you want to give yourself, like, a little bit of a healthy color. Um, you could use the Alive Blush. But So a little bit of healthy color, a little bit of highlighter, because sometimes even concealer isn't enough to kind of brighten the look yeah. of your skin or your eyes. Um, and then I had another weird side effect, which was one day my lips would be really pale, and the next day they'd be very, very pigmented. Maybe not the next day, but, like, depending on each chemo, I had a different reaction. Hmm. And so, you know, when they were pale, I'd want something that gave it a little bit of a tint. When yeah. they were very pigmented, I would do something like a nude lipstick on top of it to tone it down. Yeah. So I had little tricks like that. Um, just I call those Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, but it was just, you know, just it's basically addressing the physical side effects. Um, the biggest issue many women face, I find, is loss of eyebrows and eyelashes. Sure. So just learning how to fill in your brow line and your lash line in a very natural, easy, fast way and not with false eyelashes, but like just using eyeliner. You mean not how my old oh, my grandma used to do with a lipstick? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, you want to do it in a, in a natural, subtle way, um, just so you kind of look like your old self. So, yeah. you know, because... Not having eyebrows is a bigger telltale sign of cancer than being bald, even. Right. You and I were talking a little bit before the show, too, um, in, in apropos of Mia being on and, and the ingredients. Um, you're now becoming conscious of ingredients in your products as well. Tell us where that all stands. Yes. Well, you know, my brand has always been all about, like, a mix of science and nature. Like, we're not, like, a pure mineral line like many brands. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're results-oriented. We, you know, we want things that are good for the skin and that are, you know, make you look good but are also good for your skin. And that's where the beauty therapy aspect of the name came in, Rami Beauty Therapy Cosmetics. But it's, um, I, you know, we became aware, for example, parabens. We found out that, you know, we didn't know when the product came out that right. parabens weren't good. Now we know. Right. So we're reformulating um, those products to make them without parabens. Right. Um, and it's not so easy, actually, because... You know, the labs that make these things sometimes don't know what to use as a preservative that is better than a paraben or that is less harmful than a paraben. So it's really like we're learning as we go, but we're definitely trying to make those changes because, you know, uh, 
being a cancer survivor and having a mother. My mother, by the way, has gone through cancer two more times. Uh, breast cancer. Three times. Sorry, total. Ben. Yeah, three ben, times you've total. Been yes. <laughs> She's the all-time champ. <laughs> she had um, Hodgkin's, then she had uh, breast cancer, and then she had lymphoma, which they think was like a recurrence of the Hodgkin's, actually. Wow. And she's still with us and cancer-free right now. That's so. great. Ben has to leave now. <laughs> wow. But anyway, having so much cancer in the family, I certainly don't want to be putting out products that would be harmful. But you obviously know the challenge, although it can be achieved. I mean, I know that because you, you'll do it, and there are other products out there. Um, but it's obviously a challenge to sort of buck the system in a sense to come up with what else can we put in these products. Right. And, you know, you might change it to something that right now they think is safe and fine, and right. then it's on the shelf, and in a year or two they'll say, oh, that, pro- that ingredient isn't good either. Yeah. And so I like think... Like red that, wine, eggs, dark chocolate. <laughs> you know, they, right, they keep changing yeah, everything. Yeah, every you know, week. Um, so But I, not kale. Yeah. No, kale's but, you know, always There's good also kale. ingredients I would love to, like, uh, debate with me, and not debate, actually, because I agree with what she's doing, but I, I would say, like, have a conversation with her. I think it would be a very interesting show, because there are certain things like parabens where some people say that in cosmetics, it's the, they said they, I didn't know what she had said about finding parabens in breast tissue, but I'd always heard that it's, they found it in mice or lab rats when they were, like, really inundated with parabens. Right. It would turn to cancer, but that in cosmetics, it's such a minute amount that yeah. it's insignificant, and I don't know. And if yeah. what she's saying is true, that it was found in someone's body, that's very that's very important. Yeah. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people that, that have benefited from your, your wisdom and what you've gone through? You know, it's the most beautiful thing. Um, like, I teach these free classes at Cancer Care um, every, like, other month. Um, and Cancer Care being a... It's an organization in Manhattan um, where the services they offer are free for people in need. They offer therapy. They offer wigs. Um, when I met them, they didn't have anyone doing a makeup class, which is almost impossible to believe, but they didn't. And they asked me to do it, and I've been doing it ever since for about 11 years. And people always say, oh, that's so great of you. It's so nice of you. And the truth is, it's really like a gift to me because when I first came out of treatment and I started my brand, I was very excited about everything. And, you know, I would have new clients, and they would say, oh, how did you come to start your own brand of cosmetics? And I would tell them my whole story. And people would say, you know, you're glowing, like you're so enthused, and you're, you're like, I know you're going to do really well because you've got this glow about you. And I felt that glow, but over time, life just kicks that glow right out of you again. Yes. And um, you kind of go back to normal. And then every time I teach one of those classes at Cancer Care, the exchange with these women is so moving that I get that glow again for a day or two. That's awesome. And, yeah, it's really, I mean, I'm, I'm the lucky one to be able to do it. And I also do it one-on-one at my spa, by the way, kind of like on the down low. I always tell people, like, if someone says, oh, my mom's going through treatment, I'm like, bring her in. Yeah, yeah, you know. sure. That's cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. you can find out more about Rami, again, on Rami.com. And you, I know you've been on, what, Donnie Deutsch. You've done a ton of TV yeah. appearances. That was a great interview, by the way. That was the best interview That was ever. fantastic. Yeah, that was a really good one. And give us the full, because your book title is long. Give us the full title of your book again. Um, it's uh, Rami Gaffney's Beauty Therapy, The Ultimate Guide to Looking and Feeling Great While Living with Cancer. And, and if, you, if you put in Rami, like R-A-M-Y and Amazon, I think it pops up. And you've got a DVD as well, you said. I do. The DVD is really, you can watch it for free on Rami.com. Oh, watch it for free. Yeah. Even better. You're welcome to buy one, but you really can watch <laughs> it for free. <laughs> well, I honestly, like, I, I, like, I like happy endings. I like good stories. Um, you're a model. Thank you. You well, look like a model. No, you look like a model. <laughs> I don't like you. You're just a model. <laughs> you must have glaucoma. <laughs> but in all seriousness, like like it, it's when uh, James 
sort of literally pinned me against the floor and said, you need to get this guy on the show. Like, who? Okay. Well, you, you were on, on Donnie Deutsch, and you said something really interesting to me. It really resonated to me. You were talking about what got you through all of this that you've gone through. Do you mind touching on that? No, and I'm sorry. I forgot. You, you, we sure. touched on it earlier. Sure. Um, I was saying, like, you know, I, when you go through cancer, you, like you have to push forward every day. Like every, day, I saw the whole cancer experience as a big pie because it's all about food for me. So I was like, it's all it's all a pie, and every day is a slice. And every day, I just have to get through this slice. Like, let me just get through the day. Never mind next week. Never mind tomorrow. Let me just get through the day, and then get through the you know this cycle of chemo, or you know, let me just get to the end of the pie. And then when I started my business, they say you know you have to be that dumb or that brave to like go to into yeah, business for yeah, yourself. Yeah. And I think I was still just pushing ahead because I was just pushing forward because I was still in that pushing forward mode. And and that's how I started my business was I just blindly just forged ahead because I was just still in that zone, you know, of let me get through the cancer, let me just keep, you know, so I was just forging ahead. And, and that's think, why he ordered pizza with us tonight because <laughs> it's still all about getting through that one slice no, of the is. pie. It's one slice with of pie. sun-dried tomatoes. Yes. I noticed. I hope it was good for you. It was good. I always say there's two types of people. One person becomes macrobiotic, and the other one says, life is short, I want pizza. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for making the time thank to be you, here. Thank you, Ronnie. My pleasure. Very, very informative. You're good stuff. a great guy. Great show. We should do a local event with you, like have some girls come out. And, be, and by the way, you know, I have a product called OMG. Do you really? Over huh? mascara, glitter, and liner. Yes, oh, my nice. new right. product. Yeah, Kismet. So there's got to be a tie-in in there oh, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, again, once again, thank you for being here tonight, Rami Gaffney, or just Rami. For those who do not know you have a last like name. Share. All right, that concludes our show. It's now time for our closing sequence. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All righty, folks, that's tonight's show, our 187th broadcast. Hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. Matthew? Yes, I'd like to thank our institute, I guess, Rachel We'd Warren. like to thank. We? I'd like to thank them, too. You're here? I am. Lisa and I and James would like to thank Rachel Wallen for being here with Benjamin Rubenstein. Stein, Steenstein. Uh, Mia Davison. Rami Gaffney. Zero. Yes. And next week, come on back, we'll be here. Caring Bridge, great organization, is on the show. Sona Maring, she's the founder and the CEO of Caring Bridge. She'll be here and in our Survivor Spotlight. Britta Aragon, young adult survivor, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and founder of Cinco Vidas. And Matthew, do we have a third guest, right? Yeah, Nick something. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I got your information today. It's a professional production. Yeah. Nick something's coming on the show next week. Nick something. All right, folks, if you missed any of our previous shows, download them all for free uh, on iTunes. Uh, iTunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. Live from the chemo deck, on behalf of Lisa Bernhard, myself, James Manning, and our whole team here at I2Y, have a great week. Goodbye, everyone. Good night, everyone. Bye.